Hello, and welcome to Great Takes Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me again this week is U Street. Well, this week it's Braylon U Street Oliver, who stepped in quite well for Kamal Martin. So, that was a complete and utter ass-kicking. Like, wow. Just give me some initial thoughts, Street, because wow. The Gophers rushed for over 300 yards again. I think it's the third time they've done that this season. And honestly, I'm not going to look up that stat because it sounds about right. Rodney Smith set the all-time record for all-purpose yards in this game. The Gophers put up 52 points in a game. They only gave up 10, and really, they only actually gave up 3 because the 7 at the end was a garbage-time touchdown that the second-slash-kind-of-third-string defense made a mistake on. And arguably, that player was out of bounds as well. It appeared to be a wonderful game if you were actually at the game. According to our man on the ground, Gopher Guy 05, it was a beautiful day in the stands. And according to our man in the press box, Gopher Nation, it was also a great day to be there. So that looked wonderful. The Gophers are 8-0 for the first time since 1941. They will have a bye week and then will play uh, arguably the most important game in my lifetime against Penn State the next week at TCF Bank Stadium. It is unlikely that game day will show up, though P.J. Fleck afterwards definitely campaigned for it, as he should. And assuming that Penn State holds on for their win against Michigan State, which, as we are recording, does seem likely as they were up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, Minnesota will have the opportunity to take down a likely top-five team because Oklahoma lost this week. Love you, Kansas State. Our another, in this case, our woman on the ground, though in this case probably our woman uh, at home watching uh, Wildcat OO, who's an alma mater, our alma mater is Kansas State, was very pleased about this. So we are pleased for them and our various Kansas State bros. Good on you. Uh, in The other answer to your question that I thought was really impressive about this game was how easy it looked despite the Gophers in many ways not playing that well. Tanner Morgan did not have a wonderful game today. I think he was about 12 for 21 for 138 with a very bad interception and a couple of touchdowns. But uh, the running game was so good that it didn't matter. And the defense was so good that it didn't matter. And even in the situations where you thought Maryland was going to be driving, all of a sudden the defense came and made a big play. Coney Dura had a pick six. Antoine Winfield had another interception on the year. So Minnesota still won the turnover battle. Carter Coughlin finally got a sack, even though he was being held a constant for this year. That was great. As I mentioned at the top, Braylon Oliver stepped in very well for Kamal Martin, but the linebackers in general did quite well. Mariana Sari Morin uh, came in, played very well. Thomas Barber continued to play very well. Ultimately, this is exactly what you expect a good team to do. Walk in and mop the floor with a team that's let's go with them. That's what Minnesota did, and that's why I'm very thrilled. I think that was my favorite part of this game was how smooth it was. It just really felt effortless in the first half, and honestly in the second half too, but there were just multiple moments in the first half where watching, I was like, God, this is just feeling so smooth. And then, as you note, this was arguably at times only an okay game by various units at various moments, mostly offensively. And I'm not saying that to like quibble and get into like Sam Cranky. I'm not. This was beautiful and wonderful and super enjoyable. It's actually more enjoyable for me to be able to look at this game and go, wow, in reality, they could have played more than a little bit better and they still won 
52 to 10. So, I think I think putting yeah. up 52 points is actually a reasonable number. It's just that the seven, uh, the 14 points should have only been seven from the second and third stringers because the Gophers should have had from the first stringers another touchdown on the board that they sort of choked away through mediocre offensive play sometime in the first half. And that's pretty awesome. Uh, Minnesota has now scored at least 34 points in a game. Uh, was five weeks in a row now? Yeah, and this is the first time they've scored 28 points, at least 28 points in a game for uh, eight games in a season since 1904 when I think they played three high school teams. I suppose I this is the time on this podcast where I also note that this will change next week, but uh, through eight <laughs> weeks, the hardest team Minnesota has played was Fresno State. But what has been good to see, especially over the last couple of weeks, is what I mentioned at the top, which is if you are a good team, you are supposed to mop the floor with not good teams. That is what you're supposed to do. And credit to the Gophers. They came out today with a lot of passion, with a lot of drive, and did exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah, it. Oh, that was so much fun. I am unbelievably jacked up for the Penn State game. I get to go to the Penn State game, which means not only is this arguably the biggest game in my lifetime, but it means I'll get to be there, which has not always been true with the previous almost big games or could be big games uh, just because of the way life works when you don't live you know, within 16 hours of the Twin Cities. So I am just super, super stoked for two weeks of, of lead up into this game. Street, I believe you are in agreement with me that this would be basically the biggest game in our lifetime. I mean, you said it earlier, but do you really believe this is bigger than uh, Michigan 03? Yes, I was in the stands for Michigan 03 too, so speaking of horror stories from the past. Yeah, it's bigger, and it's not bigger because of an individual game. It's just bigger because of the picture for the rest of the season. Minnesota beating Penn State means that they... Uh, need to go two and two down the rest of the stretch. Just win two after that, uh, and they'll win the conference championship. There's a or the Big West conference championship before they get smoked by Ohio State. Let's not kid ourselves. The that was not true in 2003. A lot of other things would have had to have happened in 2003. Yeah, and I mean, you beat Penn State. I. Can't. A lot of exciting. That's when you get to start getting really excited. That's when you, you know, not to get too far over our skis because Penn State's going to be really, really tough. But I agree with you. This has the, a win here opens up so much potential for the rest of the season, and it's all potential that you can see the immediate paths of. That Michigan game was so early on that ultimately, had they beat Michigan and everything else plays out the same. They go to the Rose Bowl in 2003, but you it's really hard to play the if everything plays out the same when you're talking about a game happening midway through the season um, as opposed to, you know, only three games left after Penn State. So it's, uh, oh boy, it's exciting. I am super, super excited. It's, it's, it's nice to be good. Like, it's really nice to be good. The other fun thing, I mean, at a base level, beating Penn State means the Gophers will have won nine games. The number of times they have won nine games in my lifetime, I can count on one hand. The number of times they've won nine or more games in the history of the program, I can count on my hands, fingers, toes. 
So it's something that is not a regular occurrence either. Going 9-0 and has in fact never happened in any season for which they did not play a high school team. That's partially because in 1941 they didn't actually play nine games. But uh, it is it is in general a really important thing to note that Minnesota has never won nine in a row in a single season. And if they win against Penn State, they'll have, what, 13 in a row, 12 in a row at this point? Uh if they beat Penn State, it will be 11 in a row since the Wisconsin game last year. Since the Wisconsin game last year. So 11 in a row as well. I, there are a lot of other benefits to the program. It would absolutely be the case that the winner of the Penn State-Minnesota game will be a top 10 team. Minnesota has not been in the top 10 in my lifetime. They got close, but they've never been a top 10 team. So they would have a single-digit number next to them. That's very exciting. The game is at home. That's very exciting. It should be a very good crowd, a very good atmosphere. As you mentioned, Penn State is a quite good football team. I think it will be a great challenge for Minnesota. And uh, it will be the first time that Minnesota, since Fresno State, will have played a team that is at least, if not better, than Fresno State. In order for in order for us to truly evaluate how good the football team is, and I think how excited you should get to the rest, this Penn State game also really does say, here's where this team is. It looks like they're playing with a lot of confidence, and one of the things we mentioned earlier is this game, I actually felt in a lot of ways the Gophers did not play as well as they are capable of. They put up 52 points against a team, who is not a great team in any way. Maryland's not good, but they put up 52 points not playing that well. If they click on all cylinders against Penn State, they can put up a lot of points. That's the exciting thing about this offense. And the exciting thing about this defense is we will see. It's an open question as to whether Kamal Martin will be healthy. If Kamal Martin is healthy, then uh, the defense will also be coming in after a bye week. Everyone's healthy. And that hasn't been true for a long time either to get up for a big game. So that's exciting as well. Did you realize we only punted once? I think somewhere along the line, I forgot we only punted once. I did, but that's because I'm more of a big fan than you. And I'm always paying close attention to the punters. Also, I on, I know we only punted once because uh, one of our blog members only complained about the punting once. And therefore, I made a mental note that we'd only punted once. That's a, that's a really solid. And again... I don't think they played. They the running game was good. Let's be let's be clear. The running game was good. I mean, you don't put up 304 yards on something like about six yards a carry for most of the game if the running game isn't doing its job. But the passing game was not there. I think some of that had to do with the conditions. It was windy. Balls were gusting. Uh, the offensive pass protection blocking was not fantastic in this game. So Tanner Morgan appeared to be less comfortable in the pocket than he otherwise might have been. I also thought that we got a bit more of bad Tanner than good Tanner, though we did still see some uh, really nice throws from Morgan. The back shoulder first fade to Bateman for the first touchdown was quite pretty. That was perfect. All of those things suggest like, hey, here's a team that I don't think we've seen actually hit top gear on the season no no not at all and that is in fact exactly what you want about a team if i use an analogy to basketball and what makes michigan state annoyingly good 
Well, at the beginning of the season, they may look great or may not, but you know by the end of the season in February and March that the Michigan State basketball team will be ready to go, and they always seem to improve as the season goes on. That's ideal what you want always. I think Fleck and his staff have improved both uh, the players in the field, so from a player development perspective, but also from a coaching development perspective. They're calling very nice games. The introduction of the outside zone, which happened three weeks ago, has been a consistent moneymaker for this team and should continue to be so going forward. It presents a lot of options. There's definitely a lot more in the playbook that I see looking at our base playbook that you could use as constraints. All of that's really exciting. We'll find out, uh, not this Saturday, of course, but the Saturday after, whether or not the Gophers really are in a situation where we can think seriously about being what it's like to be a single-digit team, top 10 team. All right, so who are your Nectins or Nectin, however you want to shape it? Give me some Nectins of the week. I think it'd be hard, given that I uh, named Braylon Oliver as the big one, but uh, our per usual Antoine Winfield is his own category once again. I would give it to Coney Durr, who of course has the pick six, has a really nice, solid game. Otherwise, hard as well not to think about Rodney Smith breaking an all-time record uh, to not get in there as well. So all of those players, but a mini Necton of the Week that I will give to uh, is Brevin Span Ford for not one, but three fantastic wham blocks to spring Seth Green for touchdowns. Yeah, he they cleaned up on those Seth Green runs, which was beautiful. I'm going to go Rodney Smith. Uh, I stick with my tradition of finding a skill position player who hit a traditionally la, uh, laudatory stat, but in this case with the addition of him uh, setting the career all-purpose record. Um, just... So much, so many good things, so much happiness to be had. And again, in a game where they didn't play their ultimately their their top level. Um, and I mean, what can you say? Nothing to can't complain. I honestly can't complain. I don't know. Final thoughts, things that you'll be uh, taking with you into the bye week. The big thing that Fleck mentioned in a brief post-game interview, in addition to the plea to get college game day, which, based on the scores as we are recording this, LSU is currently winning 23-13, and I don't expect Alabama to lose to Arkansas, which is also why I don't expect college game day to be showing up in two weeks, because that would be that game that it would be across from. But the other thing that he mentioned was that they would be going recruiting, and that for the players it would be a health and wellness week. So I think the big thing for the bye week is two twofold that I'll be looking for. One, everyone who is currently sort of banged up gets healthy. And two, no one does anything stupid. That's the hope. Because the team should be locked in and fully ready for Penn State. The third thing, which is not for this bye week, but for the week after that will also be important, is I'm very, very aware that the players know far more than we as fans how important this game is coming up. What I will worry about and thus I think the coaching staff will worry about, and I expect them to do a very good job mitigating any of this problem, is for that team to be too jazzed up coming in against Penn State. Too much energy is as in many ways as bad as no energy at all. And I think that's the worry. You get a little bit too much aggression, a little too much excitement. So what I'm thinking is also really nice about having this game in two weeks is you have two weeks to be excited but also get back to focusing on doing your job as a player. Co-sign all of that. 
Folks, if you do not have tickets for the Penn State game, go get your damn tickets. It was a beautiful day today, and not nearly enough Minnesota fans came out to watch an absolute beatdown of Maryland. So you have no excuse. Biggest game in our lifetimes happening in two weeks against Penn State at home. Get your tickets. Go get your tickets. Be there. Enjoy it. Because if you're not there and they win, you are going to regret it. In the meantime, plenty of content coming at the Daily Gopher. We'll have all of the normal recaps and uh, thoughts related to the win over Maryland. Uh, and then, of course, keep an eye out for another edition of the Sky U podcast coming on Wednesday. So until then, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat. Oh.